0: Listening to The Catalyst with Samantha Chris, where we explore the inner workings of embracing the unknown. From ordinary daily habits to extraordinary measures. Get ready, we're about to ignite change and inspire action. Today's guest is the CEO of Leaderly International Inc., an organization dedicated to helping individuals and organizations become better leaders in today's rapidly changing, highly complex world. She leverages her experience as a former partner with Accenture and VP at Bell in providing executive coaching and leadership development programs for organizations including Molson Coors, Sun Life, Pratt & Whitney, and Queens University. She is a certified coach, A professional engineer and has an MBA from Queen's University. She is also an author, a sought-after speaker, and has recently joined the TEDx family with her talk, Success Without the Stress, The Interactive Leader. She is disrupting an outdated approach to leadership using six leadership actions to better navigate today's uncertain and interdependent world. With me today is Marissa Murray. I am so happy to have you on the show, Marissa.
1: Thank you so much, Samantha. Me too. I'm very excited to
0: be with you. That's quite the bio. I feel like you've just achieved so much in your lifetime so far. It's funny. Um, I think we all
1: like don't realize how old we are sometimes <laughs> until we hear our bio. <laughs> um, so I think partly it's because I've had a lot of years uh, behind that. So yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I I think I'm clocking close to 25 years of of work experience, which is hard to believe because I still
0: feel 30, I think, like many people. It's really incredible. And in, in that time, I mean, you've got a book, you have a TED Talk, you've worked with some incredible companies, and you've really evolved as a professional yourself. Absolutely. So before we dive into your approach to leadership, for those listening and who caught the talk the, the name of your TED Talk, rather, and they're thinking, wait a second, interactive isn't a word, is it? In a few words, can you explain what interactive means to you?
1: Yes, absolutely. So interactive is a made-up word, and I <laughs> I, I say it like kind of shamefully because my sister, my youngest sister is a a English major and she gets really mad when the business community makes up words. So I sort of feel, I feel like she's going to shout at me every time I, (laughs) (laughs) every time I think about that. Um, it's a made up word. It's the combination between iteration and action. Uh, and I liked the word interactive because it sounds a lot like proactive. So Mm. I think like many people, um, in my career as I ascended into more and more complex roles, I knew very well that I had to move from reactive to proactive right so a lot of us spend uh, our early days very much in kind of a reactive mode we're trying to learn to what we have to learn we're responding to uh, issues that surface and we kind of get to a point where we realize we have to get ahead of the game. We can't just be reactive to what happens to us, we have to be proactive. And that is a really big shift and a really important shift for many people. But it's a shift that I actually got kind of stuck in. Uh, Mm. So as I was, uh, you know, it was like my only tool in my toolbox. As I ascended into more and more senior leadership positions, I had more people reporting to me, I had more projects in flight. I was trying to get more and more proactive. I thought I was supposed to be more and more proactive. And it actually kind of led to a little bit of a breaking point for me, uh, because, you you know, I think there's two components. One is you can't be proactive when things are changing too fast. And the other is it's difficult to be proactive um, when you're not always the expert and proactivity often. It, at least for me, would put me in a little more of an isolating mode where I would sit down and try and plan and think through and, and I wouldn't necessarily include others as much uh, as I was working through my planning. And so the shift to interactive is number one, it's this acknowledgement that you really don't get anywhere in a one and done. So you can't really plan uh, any substantial you know, objective with, you know, all in one sitting that we really iterate our way to our aspirations and to our goals. And iteration is important for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's because when you're not sure where you're going, it's really important when the world is changing so fast, it's really important that you, you take the step you can you pilot things, you try things, and then you learn and regroup and you do it again and again and again and again. So this idea of um, you know, being proactive to a point, but also being, care, being cog- cognizant of the power of just planning the next smartest move, the next iteration towards your goal, and then allowing yourself to loop back and calibrate and, and adjust. Um, the other really important piece, and we'll talk about the six leadership actions that make up the interactive leader. Um, the other piece of it is that the process around being interactive is very inclusive, is very much about uh connecting with others listening to others uh talking uh and and building on each other's i i'm always amazed at this idea of collective intelligence we we you know there's these great studies right where they take these teams and they take their individual iq's and then they give and then they give them a team iq test uh, and they measure their group IQ and some teams erode IQ. So the Q- IQ of the team is lower than the average of each individual team members and some teams augment IQ, meaning that they are more intelligent together. And what I always find really interesting is what what when they look at what erodes a group collective intelligence versus what augments it. Uh, It has a lot to do with listening skills and equal voices and a sense of belonging and a sense of inclusion and all sort of the softer things in and around the team dynamics. And so part of being uh, Interactive is being very inclusive trusting iteration and then focusing on incremental progress. So the action part of it is that, you know, even you have to act on the alignment together and then you take those actions and then you regroup you include others you identify the next iteration and you focus on the incremental progress.
0: I love that and I can relate on so many levels because when I first, you know, started my professional career, I was definitely reactive. I was in that state where I was just trying to play catch up, I was trying to get ahead. And as I started to develop myself, you know, personally, but also start to grow the corporate ladder or to climb it and to really develop a team, I felt that need for being more proactive for feeling like I needed to uh, to kind of think one step ahead, but being in tech for the larger part of my corporate career, I was, you know, any strategy would kind of be outdated even three months in. And so the need not only to iterate and to listen and to be inclusive was fundamental to our success. And what's interesting is that by nature, I guess, I don't know actually if it was an inherent behavior or something that I had learned, but I had this tendency with my team to kind of work in isolation and then be like, ta-da, look at the strategy I've prepared. Everyone get excited. <laughs> <And> quickly learned <laughs> that that's not how you rally support and that's not how <laughs> you augment the team, right? And it was it was in this process of being more inclusive of taking things, iterating one step at a time, and constantly measuring against are we still on track to our goal that really helped me to develop as a better leader that ultimately helped to develop them as professionals. And so when I hear you talk and when I listen to your TED talk, it was just, it rang true on so many levels. So I'm, I'm really, really excited to dive into it a little more. Now that we know what an interactive leader is, let's explore how we can achieve it with your 6A method.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I guess the first is what you just described so beautifully is it's a bit of a mindset shift, right? It's a little bit of, um, of realizing that, you know, over planning in isolation uh, isn't going to get you where you want to go. And I, I think in some ways school kind of teaches us to go away, do an assignment and come back for a mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we and, you know, we kind of have to get that out of our system. So part of it is a mindset shift. And it's also uh, trying to make sure that you're confident, you're able to be confident in the uncertainty. And that also takes a lot of courage uh, because a lot of what makes us feel confident is that we've done our homework, we've built our plan, we've done our research. uh, But all those things that if our confidence is tied to those activities, uh, then we don't do very well in a highly dynamic world. Uh, So our confidence has to be really tied to this sort of appreciation for uh, iterating. So first, I think it's a mindset, but very tactically, um, you know, I talk about the six leadership actions in my talk and the the very first one, and actually the, they kind of couple into two, two different groups. So I'll just cover them in a three and a three. So the sure. first three are appreciate, align and augment. And um, I used to call this my triple A formula because there was only three A's. <laughs> Um, when I first sort of played with this. And where I discovered the importance of those th- first three A's um, is, is when I was thinking about trying to leverage and align with a team. And oftentimes what we do in a meeting is we hear information and then we basically uh, surface where we disagree or where we don't understand. And we go immediately into uh, debate and discussion, but it's all from the lens of where we don't understand versus where we do have alignment. And sometimes what happens is we totally take for granted. We don't even realize how close we are. Uh, what we see is we, we're focused on a widening gap. Mm-hmm. And so appreciate alignment was my way of reminding people uh, to make sure that number one, we appreciate the talent in the room. Uh, but appreciate can also be we appreciate the situation we're in. It's just a right. sort of acknowledgement of meeting the pres- meeting the situation, meeting the individuals, and, and it has a spirit of gratitude around, look, we get to figure this out or we get to work together on this, and it's a really nice space to start in, and when you get people to just take a moment to appreciate it, really changes the dynamic of the room. And then the second A is a line, and a line is all about just exactly what it says where where do you agree so getting people to really start with a sentence prompt of and i align with this aspect or i align with this piece or i think we're on the right track with this piece and again once you start getting individuals to really see where they align you start to feel this really strong platform underneath you for the discussion and then the third a is augment and augment is All the things that you might have framed as a disagreement before, but you treat it in a different lens. It's treated as I want to add this information. I'd like to add this to the thinking. I'd like to add this. So it's that notion of yes and versus no, but it's Mm. that notion of what they teach in improv, which is you just always go with what the next the last person (laughs) said, you know, it's that it's the creative brainstorming energy around we add to the pot. We don't try to take out of the pot, right? We're, we don't try to sort of uh, uh, have dissension. We want to incorporate our thinking and incorporate other angles uh, in the solutioning. So that's the first three. is really this whole dialogue around appreciate, align, augment. It's how do we, as a team, really stay in this very healthy dialogue space that sharpens all of our thinking and elevates our collective intelligence?
0: Before we get into the third three, because there's so much power packed into this, you know, the first. So appreciate, I think it makes a lot of sense. We're starting from a place of, of gratitude of recognizing each other as people, uh, acknowledging the strengths that we bring to the table, to the project. This makes a lot of sense. Align as well. I mean, is a, I think a logical next step, but what if you do not align? What then?
1: So what is amazing to me is people think they're not aligned And yet when I force them to share what they are aligned with their list becomes very long. Mm. So for instance, we might be, we might be not aligned at all on a go-to-market strategy for a product, but when you say, well, what are you aligned with? Well, we're probably aligned with stellar customer service. You know, maybe we're aligned with the distribution network. Maybe we're, you know, maybe we're aligned with pricing. Maybe we're aligned with, you know of the quality of the product. We're we're often aligned on a lot of things, and yet without surfacing those things, um, you know we don't take advantage of the of the opportunity to realize sort of how like how routed in collaboration or whatever the foundations for collaboration how solid those are. Uh, so,
0: go ahead. Once we get to augment, are we? this kind of the notion of yes and are we taking those things which we may very well not be aligned on because I agree that there are some things if you know we really put our minds to it we can find things that we do in fact align on but the reality is there may still be things that we don't is augment the next step to kind of say yes I hear you and there are also these considerations is that okay
1: yes so anywhere where there might have been a disagreement or dissension. It shows up in a reframed augmentation, right? So I need to add to your thinking. And here's what I've discovered. Every time I do this with even very senior leadership teams, it always cracks me up because they always want to. They get it and they feel good, but then they want to just augment. They're like, okay, can we just skip the rest? Can we just go to augment? They want to go there. And I have to fight them. I have to say, no, you must appreciate, then align, then augment. Sequencing matters. It, the context of your appreciation and the context of your alignment matters to your listeners because it helps them understand your, your, your disagree, your augment better. Right. And so it's not for you necessarily that you're surfacing the appreciate and the align, you know, where you appreciate and you align, but you need to expose it so that others can put in perspective where, you know, where they're moving from together, where we're moving from together. And so, if there is a temptation to go immediately to uh, to augment, and it's really the sequencing really matters because the quality of the discussion in augmentation will be bolstered by the degree to which you understand and you where you know what you where you're at in terms of appreciation and also where you are aligned.
0: Wonderful. So true to your process and the interactive leader method, your three A's turn to six A's and there's a second piece of the puzzle. So let's start with exploring those.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so what I discovered after, you know, we'd have these very rich dialogues using appreciate, align, augment, and, and then we had to move into action, right? We have to act on the alignment because there's nothing that cements teams like a shared win. A shared win, and when people talk about, I, you know, this relationship is difficult for me from a professional perspective. I'm always like, when was your last win? And they never, they don't have them. If the relationship is difficult, it's because they have not had enough shared wins. And when I say shared wins, it means we're both mutually excited about a win. And so a lot of times what happens is we might align, we might have this great discussion, this great brainstorm, but then we need to move into action and we have to move into action together and then get a win together and so the th- second three a's are all about action and the first one is aspire and aspire is really important because after this brainstorming what surfaces is so many great aspirations or so many great uh, sort of desires you hear the desires in that first section you have to hear the desires about uh market penetration and desires about collaborations and desires about you know, value add to the customer. You hear all of these beautiful uh, alignment statements and also aspirations or objectives embedded in that dialogue. And so the first step before taking action is to really just cement that and really write down your we statement. So we aspire to, what is the list of things that through that collective brainstorm, we really want to keep as our North star. So the aspiration is a North star because remember, we're gonna iterate. So we're not going to get it all in this go, but we need to know what our North Star is because we're just going to do micro progress towards that North Star. So the aspiration is the cementing of the shared intelligence from the previous section and it's the North Star in the direction of where we're going to take action. And the second uh, A in the action areas is assemble and that's where we ask people to, to to I dedicate resources to it so that people are contributing. What are you going to do? What is your team going to do? What resources are we going to? So it's assembling and making sure that people are contributing To the first iteration and the final is just accomplish. And that's a really near term milestone. So I always encourage uh, people to think about an iteration in days, weeks, no more than a month. So the, we need a win very soon. We need action towards that aspiration before we come back again and then we appreciate what we accomplished. We align on what we learned. We add to what we need to in, incorporate in the next duration. And then we validate our aspiration again and assemble, accomplish and repeat the process over and over again.
0: And how do you find, I mean, this is, this must be really new to a lot of people. I mean, in theory, and on paper, this looks like the magic formula, but I can imagine it unearths some difficult conversations, some emotions, and perhaps limiting beliefs in a team environment that they've not have had to think about before.
1: Yeah, so I mean, the idea of iteration is embedded in a lot of sort of some of the newer theories around execution. I mean, agile is a, is a good example in the technology yeah. space, so it's not a foreign concept but there's a lot of infrastructure uh, fighting against it. So things like, but we have a three-year plan and we said we were gonna do this, right? So how mm-hmm. can we so so how can we you know provide certainty to our people and our shareholders and all the people that you know kind of wanna know what we're up to? And only have an aspiration and a current iteration. I mean, that's what that's what that's the that's the real difficult conversation right now, and people get very worried about sort of not working against a very detailed plan because that's the world we've all lived in for a long time.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and where I sort of start to win them over <laughs> is that I start to point out to the teams how much variance reporting they're needing to do these days. Mm. Because what's happening more and more is that we, we, we have a plan, but we keep sliding off the plan. And there's so much effort associated with figuring out why we're not where we want to go and replanning and variance analysis and a lot of um, difficult conversations around, you know, why did you miss plan? and there's a ton of negative energy that swirls around that and it's it's kind of useless because the plan didn't it isn't as planned because the world has changed so we're living in a rapidly changing complex environment how can we expect to be able to perfectly predict the future i think that world is gone mm-hmm. and i think when people realize how much time they're spending in variance analysis in replanning There's so many technology uh, projects and I work a lot with uh, VPs of IT, et cetera, where, you know, it's really unbelievable how many times they've had to do a massive replanning effort and it's a herculean amount of work.
0: to get
1: The team to replan a plan and they're trying to replan for maybe an 18 month window when the reality is if they were focusing on what are the most significant actions we can take in the next three months, they'd actually have much more
0: progress to report. So you touched on a few things I find really, really interesting. Having been in the tech space, really familiar with Agile, working in sprints, having daily scrums, being very solution focused, and yes, having the mindset and infrastructure to iterate on a tactical level, where I found some of the major pushback was, or and not even, not even pushback in the sense that, um, They didn't want to do it. I say they, I'm referring to leadership, but not full recognition of the necessity of considering there are real people behind these sprints, behind the agenda, behind the the little goals, the accomplishments that we are seeking to achieve, like you said, either on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis. And what I find about your approach through appreciating others, through taking the time to align and bring aspirations to the table, we're bringing this human element into the conversation, which I personally haven't really felt a whole ton, you know, throughout my career. And so is that something that is typically well-received or that requires some coaching from your experience?
1: Uh, well, I do agree with you that my, the, the, the leadership actions in the interactive model are almost like the, it's almost like the agile playbook for leaders or for the softer side. Mm um and uh, and it really is all around how we dialogue with each other and how we navigate and collaborate together and i do think that that's missing in the dialogue at this point uh, i don't think people realize the um sort of the importance of changing it up the way we govern projects the way we govern um progress uh because it, it's a little a lot of people feel like there's a lot of thanklessness in our current sort of project management methodologies there's Mm -hmm. not a ton at least in the project management you know methodologies that I've said if there there's not a ton of celebration there's not a ton of appreciation there's not a ton of um, you know there's a lot of rigor on the risk management side but there's much less on the celebration side big time and I do think that we have to realize that people need fuel. And for humans, fuel is positivity and energy and optimism. That's what gives us the fuel to do, to stand up to the biggest challenges. And I find that, you know, appreciation, if I had to pick two, appreciation and aspiration are the two things that I think are missing in a lot of leaders' vernacular. Uh, i have to agree. Yeah. And aspiration is so important. The, The word aspire comes from the Latin to breathe into. Oof, that's powerful. Yes, yeah, it's beautiful. And so aspirations—you know—they're light, they're lofty, they're—they're—they're—they they're, um, have such positive intention infused. They're about the spirit with with which you're trying to make positive impact. And what I like to think about is goals should be aligned to the aspiration, but the aspiration gives us fuel. And then once we have a goal, we're disciplined about executing to that goal. But when that goal is understood by the team to be in line with the aspiration, with the who we want to be in the future, the energy to achieve that goal sort of comes,
0: gets embodied in the process. Which has a direct impact on ROI. When your people are feeling better, when they're feeling appreciated, they'll go the extra mile. And that inevitably has an impact on team performance and ultimately company performance
1: absolutely and aspirations sort of have that you know the the why aspect the why are we doing this and what do we want for ourselves and i when we brainstorm aspirations i ask people to just write down what to answer the question wouldn't it be great if and i mm. try to not let them censor themselves because they're meant to be lofty they're meant to be exciting you know wouldn't it be great if you don't have to you don't have to undershoot on an aspiration and what i find is so interesting is the higher you can get the aspiration, the more fuel. But I'm dealing with project managers who want to underpromise and over deliver. So it's scary for them to have aspirations. It's so scary when they first do it, right? Because they want to have predictable performance. But it's so important that we understand navigationally where we're going and the and the positive impact we're trying to drive.
0: Couldn't agree more. I, I don't doubt though that there are some leaders who are listening and who perhaps you've worked with who have thought this sounds great, but I, I just don't have the time. I don't have the time for appreciation. I don't have the time to include others. We've got something to do and very few days to do it or months, or whatever the timeline is. What do you say to them?
1: Yeah, that they, they—that that is the most common <laughs> um, resistance point that I run into. People are like, it sounds really good and it's really good, but I don't have time. Right. I just have to drive. I just have to push. I just have to tell people what to do. Yeah. And I understand that instinct because I was one of those people <laughs> and, <laughs> and I get it right. And I get that instinct. The, the issue is that what we completely underestimate is the amount of, um, rework that gets generated when you don't have people you know, aligned and all pulling in the same direction. Mm. So, so a lot of times, a a lot of leaders fall into sort of a bit of a sheepdogging role where they're barking at the sheep all the time, right? Because everyone's sort of straying from the pack and, and instead of leading from the front, which is all about, you know, look, I, we understand we're all have, we're all working from the same page. We know where we're headed. Um, You know, it's, it's it's just the it's the notion of are you going to try are you going to try and impose your will and then have other people misinterpret this I do it there you know sort of passively resist you and you're going to create rework in the future or do you want to spend a tiny amount of time because it really doesn't take long a tiny amount of time with these little checkpoints where you're making sure that everybody is energized and on board and on the same page, and excited about the progress.
0: Yeah, a little bit of connection goes a long way.
1: Absolutely, so I always say like, if you think you don't have time, you know, you have to do it more. Because, okay. because that means that when people don't think they have time, it's because there's a, there's a real ramification and risk at play, right? There's mm-hmm. a real urgency, there's something, there's a, real, there's, there's a real critical issue on the table. That's when we think we don't have time. But if it's a real critical issue, you cannot afford to not have alignment.
0: I like that reframe. So when did you realize existing leadership methods were outdated? And why did you feel so compelled to tackle this issue?
1: I have this sort of secret mission. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) Uh, To eliminate suffering in the workplace.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: Like I think there's so much suffering in the workplace that is just completely unnecessary kind of accidental and 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 really significant impact on productivity, well being, you name it. And when you think about a workplace, it's a it's a bunch of motivated people coming to work to try to achieve something, you know, apply their skills and achieve something and contribute something to the world. And, and why there's so much suffering is, is, is sort of some of these kind of bad habits. And so I really feel like this, I, there, I, we needed to shake up the way we talk to each other, we need to shake up the way we govern and, and manage. Uh, we just, we, there's a certain playfulness when I make people speak and I appreciate a line of men, they, they hate it at the beginning, but then, they become, <laughs> then they, it kind of rolls off their tongue over time and they get really happy and they find it fun to speak that way. And so in many cases, I'm just sort of the silly excuse uh, to help people bring a little more lightness, more, more playfulness, more enjoyment of each other, uh, because the people that I work, have a, work with are phenomenal people. I mean, there's so many phenomenal people in these, in these teams that I work with, and not all of them let each other like each other enough
0: because how could they, they don't, they're not given the opportunity to even get to know each other outside of what's required of them in a work capacity.
1: Absolutely. And there's, you know, it's funny because, you know, sometimes leadership teams that are really bonded together. A lot of times they, they bond personally, they bond professionally. They, you know, they become friendships, but that's pretty rare these days where teams are so, because there's there's so much turnover in leadership ranks. So we are not always together long enough to form those bonds. and. And, you know, sometimes people try to accelerate those bonds by doing, you know, you know, disclosure activities, leadership exercises, where we, we ask people to kind of tell their stories. And those things help a little bit. But I always think it's just like anything else. It's in the daily habits. If it's not happening daily, if we're not sort of dialoguing, appreciating, aligning, amending daily with each other, it's not going to have anywhere near the, the, the impact. And so, you know, doing a quarterly retreat is not gonna have the impact of just sort of having this daily habit of staying close to each other, being inclusive, and, and focusing on incremental progress and celebrating every time
0: we have a win together. So important. So for those who were listening earlier who may be trying to take notes of the six A's, as a recap, we've got appreciate, align, augment, aspire, assemble, and accomplish. And those six A's were explored in greater detail In your TEDx talk, so I'd like to switch gears just before we wrap up and ask, how was the TEDx experience for you?
1: Yes, it was all things, (laughs) (laughs) all all ranges of the emotional. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I think that with with any endeavor, uh, it 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 sharpens your thinking. You know, whether it's writing a book or writing an article or even just formulating. Uh, you know, a a very complete analysis, Um, you know, it it asks of you to really force yourself to be clear on what you really believe, what you really think, what you what you really want to share, that is important enough for you, and uh, important enough for the world. And so the TEDx experience was all about that, that reflection uh, around, you know, what what can I uniquely bring and what is unique about my experience and my lens that has, that enables, um, that enables me to share with all authenticity, right? My personal experience that might be of value to someone else. So I think that uh, this, this process of even pretending to do a TEDx talk uh, is a value where you sort of say, what is, what are those, the little pieces of my life that have really instructed me and then what is missing in the world in terms of an idea or an angle or a lens or a new take uh, that can be useful and, and helpful to people.
0: And I think you achieved just that. It was an inspiring talk. It was full of personality. I feel like I really got to know you better through your talk and you offer some incredible tools that any leader, no matter if they're just getting started, if they're completely seasoned and experienced, can walk away after listening to that talk with actionable insight on how they can take their leadership to the next level. So I have to commend you. You did an exceptional job.
1: Thank you so much, Samantha. I appreciate that.
0: How can people find it and get in touch with you?
1: Well, to find the talk, it's the easiest thing is to Google Marissa Murray TEDx, and uh, it will come up on YouTube. Uh, But my website and my company is uh, Leaderly International. Um, So my website is Leaderly.com. Leaderly is all about taking leadership to the next level, uh, both from a leading self, leading others and leading change. Uh, so my, uh, checking out my website, there's actually an opportunity to download, uh, three chapters of my book to give you another feel of it at some of the other key leadership best practices that I think make the biggest difference,
0: uh, for my clients in, in today's world. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I'll be sure to drop those links in the show notes as well as your social handles. So people can find you on various platforms. Exactly. I'm going to thank you so much for being on the show and sharing some really great tools. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure and congratulations on this amazing, amazing podcast. Thank you. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Catalyst with Samantha Chris. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, I hope you're feeling a little more equipped to lean into the unknown and take inspired action.